Welcome everyone to Love and Pod, episode three of the almost weekly Trigun Stampede podcast. I am, uh, fuck, what the hell is my name? Lady Zeon, the Double Fang, and with me is my co-host, as always, Kai, the non-binary typhoon. Hi, Kai, how you doing? I'm doing good. My voice feels rough. <laughs> yeah, so as you guys might have noticed, we're now a week behind. Uh, Kai, you got the COVID. I got the COVID. It was finally, mom said it's my turn with the COVID. <laughs> <laughs> how, how passe, how, how 2020 of you, gosh. Yeah, I know, I'm behind the times, just like we're behind on episodes. <laughs> Okay, so maybe at some point we will catch back up, but right now we're just going to keep it a, a week behind. So yeah, we're now on episode three. God, what the hell was the name of this episode? It was some long bullshit. It was something artsy uh, about light and darkness. I can't remember either. Yeah, bright light shine through the darkness. Not even bright light shines through the dark. No, it's bright light comma shine through the darkness love yeah love that for them by the way if i sound a little off i am now sick it's completely unrelated to them i got sick from my job my roommate got sick and then they gave it to me and so yeah now uh, now i'm on the recovery end um keyword being recovery i am still sick but you know i am a goddamn professional and my throat doesn't feel like it's filled with, like, razor blades, so I am here to record a podcast, goddammit. Yeah, unfortunately, last week, my throat did feel like it was filled with razor blades, so that was not gonna happen. <laughs> uh, first off, quick correction. Last episode, we were talking about Tannis and how we're like, this kid wasn't even in episode one. Apparently, yes, we got a correction from a commenter, and I actually went through and uh, rechecked out that first episode. Tannis is in episode one, and like I said, he was either not in that episode at all, or in a blink-and-you'll-miss-it scene. It is a blink-and-you-miss-it scene. Uh, when Vash comes all tied up, um, and they're like, like, uh, they're all talking, and Vash is just off to the side, there is a kid who walks up to Vash, and, like, Vash leans in to, like, smile at him or whatever, and then he also pops around Rosa while she's, like, talking to everyone on, like, you know, in front of her. So, yeah, he is in two scenes. There is no indication that this kid is related to Rosa, um, except for maybe, like, him popping around, like, her shoulder. But still, um... I think that's fair, like, then. It still feels a little off, but I, I think that's fair. Oh, no, no, I, I'm going to still say it's not fair, because, <laughs> like, if you're if you're going to hinge such a big part of, like your epi like, your next episode on this, like whole mother-son dynamic and like you know a mother needs to protect her child like you need to establish that that is her kid that she has a kid like you like she 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 was in so much of that first episode it's like you can spend a little time to like introduce her child as well yeah that's true it's supposed to be our establishing episode and they did like you know they spent a whole lot of time info dumping other things on us they might as well have like let us in on that Ahead of time. For real. Yeah. Also, uh, when I checked out episode one, I checked it out dubbed, because uh, the dub is out. John Young Bosch is back as Vash, and he sounds so different now. I haven't had a chance to listen to it. I haven't had a chance to watch it. <laughs> That's okay. Like, it's interesting whenever, like, if you do get a chance, I'll also, you know, like, he is doing a very different performance for Vash. It's very subdued, and... 
at first I was just like, oh, this is such a weird take. Why? And I realized I'm like, oh no, it's because this Vash is more subdued. He is playing this Vash, and it is a very different character. So, you know, it's kind of like the difference between like like Sailor Moon and Sailor Moon Crystal, where it's just like, yeah, no, like this Usagi isn't as scatterbrained and over the top as the original '90s Usagi. So, so yeah, she's like reined in a whole bunch. So that's kind of how I feel about this Vash, and clearly that's how uh, Bosch is playing him. That's good. I, I like that. I like that. Uh, Johnny's, you know, uh, uh, in the team behind the dub as well as like the director is uh um adjusting their performance based on you know the way that it's written and not just like okay the the people want bash back so let's get that you know i do appreciate that yeah no definitely like it's not just like okay jump right back into your no this is a whole new bash with a whole new tone and personality and you really got to adjust for it and yeah no they do accordingly it is weird because like honestly like Bosch is one of those voice actors who, like, he kind of sounds the same in, like, every dub he does. So, like, he honestly sounds the most different here. Like, when I think about John Young Bosch, I think of, like, um, you know, Vash. I think of Ichigo. I think of Kanida from Akira. And I, I just think of, like, all these iconic... And he kind of just sounds the same in a lot of roles. Like, it's just like, oh, yeah, there's Johnny Young Bosch. And that's not a bad thing. He has, like, a very iconic, distinct voice. So for him to, like, not sound like his traditional performance was really interesting. I can't remember where I heard this from, but a long time ago I heard this from someone that I trusted somewhere, some source, and I've been, you know, telling everybody and repeating it ever since. But, you know, because I can't remember where it came from, just, like, take it with a grain of salt. But I remember um, hearing that Johnny... Like when he, or in, especially in his early days of voice acting, he had the one voice. And especially when Trigun did, the English dub of Trigun did pretty decently well over here, um, he would go into audition for places and they would say, oh, do the Vash voice. And I think I remember hearing that somewhere from the Tales of community because him as Guy Cecile in Tales of the Abyss is literally the exact same voice he does for Vash. Mm-hmm. But then it's like now you go further and further and you find out that, or you look more into, the kind of roles he plays and you can still recognize him once you know that it's him but like him as uh sabo i believe is the name of the character in one piece is one that's like doesn't sound like vash the stampede from the original trigun or anything mm-hmm. but so i didn't recognize it as johnny young bosch despite him being my favorite voice actor until it was pointed out to me then i could hear it and the same thing was for naja and monkey kid where it was like oh wait that's johnny oh that is johnny you know, so he does have a range, but from some source somewhere that I can't remember, he was being requested not to like take full advantage of that and to stick to the voice that people knew him for. Oh yeah, like the iconic, like you know, go 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 for the thing everybody knows. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they like you for. And it's like again, I, I agree that there's like it can get tiring if you have a voice actor who has like one voice and they do it for absolutely everything. But I think that has to that only gets tiring for me if they're in absolutely everything. And if they're never allowed to, you know, go off. And like I said, Johnny has, especially in recent times, done has shown that he has more of a range. So that's my thoughts right. on him. He's my favorite voice actor in English. I like him. Oh, yeah, no, he's great. Like, <laughs> like I remember, like, when I first started watching Trigun and being like, whoa, the second Black Ranger is Vash to Stampede? That's fucking <laughs> uh, awesome. There's a joke my sister and I say all the time. Anytime we see JYB, we're like, oh, it's Adam from the Power Rangers. <laughs> 
Even though I never watched Power Rangers, I just know, oh, Adam from the Power Rangers, that's the meme. <laughs> to say that every time he shows up. I, I did. <laughs> when I got to meet him at a convention, like, he literally started his panel off by just yelling off all of his catchphrases back to back to back <laughs> so people wouldn't have to ask him to do it. Like, he literally just yells, it's Morphin time, love and peace, uh, Tetsuo, and then, like, Bankai, just, just to get all of those out of the way. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> and now that he's playing Broly, he's probably gonna have to do at least one Kakarot, <laughs> at least now. Okay, so now on to the actual episode. The last episode ended with uh, Gosef, the big soft puncher guy with the <laughs> robot arm. His, you know, gets covered in these little spider droids. Uh, he runs out of the saloon and then explodes. End of episode. Very dark note to end things on. Definitely created, like, an air of mystery, even though the rest of the episode kind of really kind of sucked. Yeah. Uh, so this episode picks up uh, immediately outside Genora Rock. We see uh, a cloaked figure approaching the city. Inside of the city, everyone is in a panic. Vash is trying to rush people out. Uh, Nebraska is freaking out over his son's death. Uh, the spider bombs, once everyone is outside, starts attaching themselves to everybody. Uh, Vash tries to pull them off to no avail. Everyone's freaking out. Roberto is like, it's E.G. the bomber, uh, some not notorious serial killer who is a bomb enthusiast. Then another guy, like, his bombs start turning red, and then he runs away from everybody to explode. And that's when Roberto says, like, if EG is anywhere, he's gonna be where he can see everything, so he can watch, like, you know, everyone die. So Vash realizes he's up high and fires at him. EG comes down, everyone chases after where he landed, uh, another guy explodes. Uh, when they finally catch up to EG, he's just, he goes on this whole tangent about how he's no longer eg the bomber some thanks to someone he has been reborn as eg the mine and that's when this giant metal wheel contraption comes out from the sand and like kind of engulfs him and he sits inside of it i thought it was really cool <laughs> yeah no that was that was some wild shit didn't see that coming uh we'll talk about that redesign <laughs> in, in a very positive light in a bit once inside the contraption the wheels start turning he starts heading straight towards the plant vash is chasing after him meryl talking to roberto has an idea to stop eg at the plant vash shows up just as eg is grabbing the plant and taking off E.G. rides off with Vash on top of him. Vash is just like, look, like, if you're here for the plant, you can just take it. Like, you know, you don't have to fucking kill everybody. He's just like, Psh. I was like, I'm not killing to steal. I'm stealing to kill, which great fucking line, honestly. I really liked that, too. <laughs> yeah, no, like, he was a really fun villain for quite a bit of this. Well, for the time that he was around. Vash then pulls out his gun, points it to E.G.'s head, threatens him at gunpoint. EG freaks out and crashes. Plant goes tumbling. EG goes flying out. That's when everyone circles EG, like Meryl, Roberto, and Vash tackle EG and hold him down, saying, okay, either you deactivate the bombs or you blow up with us. And EG's like, ah, fuck, it's the switch on my back. Yeah, flip it. And they flip it, and all the bombs fall off of everybody and deactivate. Uh, Nebraska is furious. He's just like, you killed my son. I'm going to fucking kill you. Vash is just like, whoa, no, don't be like that. Like, try, like, stops Nebraska from doing anything. And that's when Vash hears it. This 
big scoring epic piano and you just see the terror in his face as he tells everyone to fucking run. E.G. gets away and enters into a saloon where the cloaked figure is and dies immediately. Arms severed, goes flying off, like hanging on the saloon doors. It is Knives. Knives is here. Vash confronts him, pulls out his gun. They have a little bit of a dialogue back and forth uh, about Knives wanting the plant and Vash isn't going to allow him. Knives then pulls some sort of Jedi mind fuckery on him and just kind of like puts him in a, like a bit of a weird mental space and just walks off and leaves him. Real art film shit. Yeah, no, it got wild. Nebraska then shows up to, like, attack Knives, saying, like, you know, you killed my son, you're the one behind all this, and is, um, immediately disarmed, literally. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, his blades come out, taking off uh, Nebraska's arm. Vash tries to, like, save him. It's just like, quick, someone get Nebraska to, to safety, like, you know, stop the bleeding. Outside the city, a giant robot appears, uh, along with an old man and a little girl who looks very similar to Vash and Knives from when they were little kids. I'm sure that doesn't mean anything. No, no, certainly not. <laughs> the women from the town then try to uh, stop Knives all at gunpoint. He then pulls out his blades, grabs one in a horror film style, just murders her, murders the second one. Rosa in terror is fallen over. Knives then like goes up to where the plant is located gets the dying plant out. That's when we have Vash trying to interfere. Uh, Knives is now circling these blades around him that looks fucking awesome, honestly. It's so freaking <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, no, th th this is quite the reimagining of his powers, and I'm on two sides on it, and we'll get to that, but yeah, so swirling blades around him. Knives pulls the dead plant out. Vash can't do anything to stop him. Knives then starts cutting away at, like, the, like, the mountainside that the city sits on collapsing everything the robot takes the other plants they leave everything behind the city is in ruin rosa is just like in like holding her bloody son who was hurt in like, all the chaos and everyone's just bleeding and hurt and just dying and rosa just tells vash to get the fuck out of there and to never come back you're related to that fucking monster go away vash then starts heading east to the city of july because that's where Knives is, and then Meryl and Roberto follow behind. End of episode. I really liked this episode. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. Yeah, no, man, whew, what a fucking 180 this show pulled. Because, like, the first episode, that's eh, all right. Like, it's a little too info dumpy. Second episode, wow. You just kind of spun your wheels and did jack shit. Then this one happens. This is like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm so glad you seemed to like it, too, like, because I was like, I really like this episode <laughs> while I was watching it. I was like, I'm having, this is awesome. I really like what they're doing with knives. And I actually really liked the animation. I think I'm starting to get used to it because, like, the action stuff was so cool. I was like, all right, all right, okay. I saw knives oh, yeah. starting to do his thing with, the, with, you know, his power and all that. And I was like... Okay, this could not have been done in a traditional way. This had to be done CG, and it is really cool. <laughs> yeah, no, like, this reimagining of Knives' power is fucking wild, and I uh, thoroughly enjoy the aesthetic of it. 
Now, I am going to just go ahead and get some complaints out of the way. All of my complaints are for, like, the first half of the episode, because... Kind of with that first draft syndrome that we've been talking about. The bombs start attaching to people, and then people start blowing up. But, like, it's like one guy blows up, and then when they're chasing after EG Bomber, a second guy blows up, and it's like, oh. Yeah. And then that's it for the rest of the episode. It's just like, like we don't feel like there's a timer. Like, they start go- glowing red, and for, like, Gosef, that was, like, immediate death. For that other guy, it was pretty immediate death. But for, like, everybody else, for plot, like, everyone else's plot armor kicks in. And it's just like, we, like, these bombs cannot explode until it is narratively appropriate to go off. With, meaning, when they finally have EG and they're holding him down and they can Right, which him. was really weird considering if, if they wanted to do something where, like, okay, well, those ones went off and theirs aren't going off yet. Like, that's all well and good, but then why make the, like, why make Taunus's glow red then why make some of them start glowing red if you're not going to have them blow up just right. as quickly as ghosts and the other guys did after they glowed red that was really weirdly inconsistent for me that was like um oh, okay why are we not panicking more it bugs me because <laughs> everyone just kind of like oh well the bombs are glowing red now oh man i don't like we don't have much time left and it's just like yeah, no, you guys should have a couple of seconds left if, like, past precedent had anything to do with this, given, like, how we've seen how these things work. So, yeah, I didn't really like that. Like, I really felt like, okay, well, you've established this thing, and now you're just kind of hanging on this artificial tension that you've created. And then it's basically like having a gun, but it's just like, you don't even have your finger on the trigger, but you're saying you're going to shoot someone. That's a really good metaphor for it. That's, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's it's, it's a false threat because it's like, well, they, they, these aren't actually going to explode because like nobody else dies. Honestly, the second person who blew up when they were like running out of the city to confront EG, the first time I watched this episode, I didn't even realize that it happened uh, because it was just a random background character and it happened super quick. Oh, right. Because I was just like, it wasn't until my, my rewatch and I'm taking notes. I'm like, wait, was that a person who blew the fuck up? And I had like, go back a few seconds and go yeah no that was a person okay let me take that note down that two people blew up mm. which is just weird it's just like you know they gave us some sort of emotional attach of the gosef and established oh fuck these bombs that they attached I-, I thought like you know vash was gonna try to keep these bombs like people were gonna like try to like have to outrun them or something and then they just attached to everybody but then people don't start immediately dying so and then like you know when eg is like in danger he doesn't start detonating them like uh, it's like i don't know if he controls when they explode or what but yeah i it it was weird it really is for me the fact that like they started to glow they didn't have to do that i could have given an excuse for okay well he took gosef out because it's a big old giant dude who can like punch really hard and so he took him out immediately and everybody else he's just fucking with them but it's the fact that you know the kids starts glowing red and everyone's like don't worry it'll be fine or maybe it's like a proximity thing like he's not close enough like when he's going to steal the plant he's no longer close enough to detonate the bombs on them oh yeah but clearly they're on some sort of timer because they start glowing red right yeah it's just kind of like mm, yeah you're right that that's another case of the first draft syndrome of that could have used a little bit more working and a little bit more like i feel like the writers had an explanation for how that worked but they didn't really convey whatever it was to the audience so you and i are just sitting here like making guesses yeah and, like, you know, if I have to, like, try to, like, fill in the gaps for your storytelling, you didn't do a good job telling your story. <laughs> Another thing is his name. Like, okay, so he's introduced as, oh, this guy is E.G. Bomber. His real name is Ethan Gilbert Hamilton. 
and like he goes by the nickname Easy Bomber. And then he's just like, oh, actually, I've been reborn. I am now E.G. the mine. I like the idea of him. I like the concept of, oh, he's making a point of I've been reborn because I've run into someone. Because that, like, brings up immediately the question of, whoa, whoever he ran into that he's claiming reincarnate or he's claiming that he's been reborn by this person. That's pretty big. Um, But it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't see the connection of the mine. Am I just am I just dumb? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't either. And like, easy the mind and like the the manga was just one of those things where I'm just like, oh, okay, like, like it's just a weird nickname. Um, I didn't really need to mean anything, but because he changed it from the bomber to the mine, I'm like, oh, because like when they renamed him Easy Bomber, I'm like, oh, I get it, because they reinvented his character to be like a bomber, but like they still kind of gave him like a contraption that is reminiscent but a big reinvention of his old design. Cool. That's a neat idea. But then he renames himself E.G. the Mine. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. And he even makes a point, like, when Roberto calls him, like, later in the episode, yells out, E.G. Bomber. He's just like, it's E.G. the Mine. And I'm like, who gives a shit? Yeah. We give him, like, a real name, an actual fucking name. We give him two nicknames. Well, we even give him, like, a reason, like, like what his E.G. Bomber name means, besides the fact that it's just his initials and Bomber, because he's a bomber, but it's also a play on Easy Bomber, which is clever. That's all great stuff. But then, like, you add in E.G. the Mine, and then also, like, he's gonna fucking die in two minutes. Who gives a shit? Yeah, I do, like I said, I like the idea of, like, the narrative of pushing the, um, even if it was done pretty quick, of the idea of he has his name and he's known for this for this reason, and then he changed his name because he's saying, like, he's reborn, because it adds to Knives, like, the mystery of him and his, the fact that he obviously has charisma with certain types of people, because this guy was like, I've been reborn by him, you know, uh, but... Again, it come, for me, the issue comes into if you're going to make a big fuss about your name getting changed and everything after already establishing that the name everyone knew you by before had a meaning behind it, then you need a meaning behind your new name. And I, I really feel like maybe I'm just dumb and missed it, but it really does feel like I cannot see the connection of where the mind came in on this. Yeah, no, I can't at all either. I don't know. Maybe I'll look it up after this and I'll put in like an editor's note. Maybe someone in the comments can tell us and explain where, like what his reasoning for the mind was in this, because I can't see it. Oh yeah, no, same, same. It's bugging me. So yeah, (laughs) all of that aside, like, you know, once we get past all of that, everything else in this episode fucking ruled. Holy shit. It slapped so hard. It was so cool. It was so awesome and intense and like really brutal. Knives is really this, brutal and I love that. This is a I knives. I love that. They did not like. No, not at all. The, they did not pull punches like, with this him. This is a Knives who is as terrifying as he is presented in the manga. Where like Knives would just completely eviscerate and just dismember people like in the blink of an eye for just any reason and not give a single fuck doing it either he just Mm -hmm. does it he's like "Mm, you're annoying me i'm trying to play my piano here and you just ran in here yelling at me excuse you (laughs) the audacity of this bitch and doesn't even acknowledge him he doesn't even acknowledge him. He he only looks up and talks and then you see it's Vash there and it's like he's acknowledging his brother not the guy he just yeah. Freaking McMurdered, who's like trying to treat him like. Also, I do really like how his god complex is like in full force. And I'm like, yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, you can already tell that he is 
a being above everyone else. Like, he views himself as just a higher class of being. Um, and basically, he puts um, Vash in that same category. And there's, like, there's so much going on in this dialogue where, first off, Knives just like, oh, I see you still have that gun. So he's he's had that gun for a while then. And I'm curious if this is gonna be like in the classic anime where he got that nun he got that gun from knives. Oh right. Because in the original anime, the gun is what triggers the angel arm. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Where in oh, the manga it's... it's just like a thing that they do. It's like a part of them. So yeah, like I'm I'm curious if they're gonna pull stuff from the like, you know, nineties anime to to kind of, you know, mix and match materials which is fine i'm yeah I, like like if you're gonna do your own reinvention of a piece of media i am a-okay like just going yeah like pick a little bit here pick a little bit here uh is there like a video game or something sure oh i'll well, sample a little <laughs> bit whatever uh there is not a trigon video game for the record for anyone who's curious <laughs> it's like the uh howard ashman thing of like you know how he defined adaptation of this is what i liked from this and so i'm taking the things I liked and I'm building on that to try like how you when you read a book that you really like and you're trying to tell your friends why you like that book you know and he's like that's what adaptation is and that's what I feel like with this episode especially this feels like people who love Trigun and they're taking what they like from it and building off of the things and the elements that they liked mm -hmm. of it also I thought you it was know? interesting when uh Knives yeah. touches the gun and then like mind fucks Vash he goes you still can't control your gate so now I'm wondering what the fuck is that yeah hello excuse me <laughs> remember what we said about like oh the first episode kind of gave away a whole lot of like world building spoilers and it was kind of like okay you info dumped a lot of stuff on us I really hope you still have some questions and things that you like like, that was something mm -hmm. we said from the first episode was, uh, you know, we can excuse them, you know, doing the quote-unquote world-building spoilers so long as they continue on and, like, give us more stuff yeah. to, like, be curious, more mystery add on to it since they just solved all the other ones. And it's like, nope, here we are. I don't know what's going on anymore. Yeah, no. Like, <laughs> and I'm invested. Yeah, uh, this, this episode, they gave me so many questions. I really want to see where this is going now. It is amazing, like, the 180 this show really pulled. And honestly, like I said, like, the first half of this episode, yeah, there's cool shit. But, like, this show's been having cool shit. And the writing still felt a real, a bit clunky. But then, like, once things start happening, I will say, like, their writing may be C-tier, but, like, their execution of a dramatic moment is fucking A-tier. Absolutely, 100%. I'm with that. Like, even if some of the dialogue is a bit, like you said, clunky or a little in places, they're still really good at like presenting it in a way that like gets you on the edge like of your selling seat. a moment to you selling the moment yeah selling the emotions of the moment not so much literally what is being said. knives is like white cloak kind of disassembling into his blades and it's just like i miss his old because like his old thing was more body horror and this is more like his sick ass like superpower uh both are really cool um I think, like, it really depends on what they're going to be doing with um, Knives in this series. Depends on, like, if I like it as much or more than how Knives was portrayed in the manga. Because we've already got, like, the terror aspect. We've already got the, he, you know, 
has these mind-controlled blades that he can kill people with. The only difference is that the blades are now these small circular things that, like, float around him and, like, form his clothes and that he can manipulate freely as opposed to the, um, like, the blades that he would just turn his body into. And, like, if you want to go for a more monstrous element, then yeah, like, the manga hits that. This feels like it's going more for, like, more more of, like, a deity, like a god. Like, this big swirling vortex of just power above him. I really like how he said god, like, what was it? Uh, I forget the exact quote, but he was, he was, like, talking about god sent down hellfire to destroy a city or something. Yeah. And it's, like, I can... I know that he's talking about himself. Like, that is... He is talking oh, in yeah. third person about himself. God sent down Hellfire. And he's like, I sent down Hellfire because I freaking... <laughs> oh, man. Blew everything up. I had to stop and think for a second if that had been, like, uh, confirmed yet in this version. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. They they did. They had him laughing. I mean, like, look at what I did, Vashu. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, no. I'm never going to let that go. Like, that... <laughs> That was so over the top that it made me roll my eyes. Like, just that... Vashu! Yes. Oh, God. It's just like, yeah, we get it. He's a psycho. I did really like him here, though. I really did. But yeah, it is is the thing of like... Oh, yeah, no. They sold the fuck out of him. And there is is also... um, Because I know Trigun pulls a lot from, like, Christianity specifically, it's really easy to look at the, mm-hmm. I've been reborn by this guy, and it's like, okay, so there's there's oh, yeah. the Christ figure allegory going on there of, you know, getting baptized and, you know, being reborn. Um, ah, gosh. And then there's the stories of God sending down hellfire, you know, it's like the plagues on Egypt. That was one of the plagues there. And, you know, there is mm-hmm. all of that. And it's so easy to just go, okay, he's talking literally about, like, God and stuff and the Christian God and all that. It's like, but also, I'm I'm pretty dang sure he's just referring to himself in the third person in this case. I am God and I sent down hellfire on these people. <laughs> but the fact that, like, both of those interpretations of that exist is really cool to me. Yeah. I'm really excited about it is why I'm talking a whole lot. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, I don't blame you. Like, I'm really curious, like, where they're gonna take a lot of this stuff going forward. Okay, so we get the giant robot. I'm assuming that's one of the gun guns. That's probably, like, oh, God, I am blanking on both of the names. Uh, the first gun gun that Vash oh, meets. Oh, I know who you're, I think I know who you're talking about. He's the one who was, like, in the town, and it was, like, the first episode in the original anime where shit got really real. Yeah, hold up. I'm just gonna oh, look up. God. I'm just gonna look up the gun hoe guns real quick. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I can. Honestly, I was just gonna. I, I I was just gonna cut all this out and just pretend like I knew all this off the top of my head. So I. Oh yeah, for we sure. We sound smarter. Heck yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the 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 big hulking robot guy, like he's. I'm assuming he's either Monev the Gale or uh, Gray the Nine Lives. It, it, it's got to be one of those two. I'm assuming because Grey the Nine Lives in the 90s anime was a robot also, that I'm assuming, like, that's also what he's going to be, like, in this. Well, once again, it could be Monev. Maybe. I don't know. It was, like, all we can do is uh, speculate, really, because it's, Yeah, because like... now, now who knows what the fuck this show is Yeah, they doing. didn't just... They didn't just tell us everything. They, they're leaving it open. They're leaving it for us to, like, wonder about. And I'm really excited about that. And the thing is, though, like, we, we know that they're going to be actually pulling 
like versions of the gung-ho guns from the manga at very least because the trailers have already shown uh levio the double fang and they've also shown zazie the beast and zazie the beast is clearly the bug hive mind version because he has the 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 creepy uh like slits in his eyes yeah oh, so right, right, right. but yeah no like this version though of like eg mine holy shit um that's I love him. That's quite the reinvention. I love him. He is so in he's just so feral and like just insane and I love that. I love that's one of the things I love about Trigun uh antagonist. It is like something that's pretty common from my memory at least. Hopefully I'm not just making this up. But from my memory of like Trigun antagonist from the anime and manga, it's pretty common that they're just nuts. You know, they and Vash still wants to try to save them and still wants to try to convince them that life is precious, but they're just, they just don't care. And that's yeah. part of what's so, like, tragic about them and Vash's attempts to save them and save their lives while saving everyone else's lives. And this guy just really encapsulates that, of, you know, like that line of, I'm not killing to steal, I'm stealing to kill. Not only does he not care if people die, but he wants them to. He's just nuts. Right. And I love the way he moves. I love his animation, the way he's running around like he's just inhuman, you know? Yeah, no, he's 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 like a weird little goblin freak. It's it's great. He's a delightful villain for this episode, and I will say, like, a little bit of subversion, maybe like all that info dumping about EG Mine, or like like the whole EG the bomber and his real name and Easy Bomber and all that bullshit. Like I feel because I was just like, oh wow, like we're really getting into this character. Like I like he was a total fucking jobber in the manga and in the anime. Like I guess Stampede's gonna take a different, and then he fucking gets dismembered. I'm like, never mind. He's he is fucking dead. Lull you into the false sense of security because it's like the first two episodes are like, okay, here's a random person, here's some info dump about that person who's our antagonist, and here's their here's how they interact with Vash, and here's how Vash handles them. And this episode starts with that same formula of here's a random antagonist, here's some info dump about that random antagonist, here's how Vash is going to stop him. Lol, JK, Nye is our antagonist. Because, like, literally, EG gets away, and then he goes through the saloon doors, and then immediately his arms come flying through, like, the like the doors, just kind of swinging and hanging off of them. It's just like, holy fuck! And then, and then you cut to the fucking title card, or, like, the, the eye catch for, like, the midpoint of the episode... Which is a great, that that is such good fucking timing. Because, like, you do that, it's like, like, you have just ended the midpoint of your episode before your commercial break on this huge fucking tonal shift. Yeah. And you have no clue where the fuck it's going after this. And, and can I just, I gotta add that, like, I know earlier I mentioned that Nice is great in here because of just how brutal he is. And yeah. one of the things that made me go, wow, that's just brutal, was... The way he walks towards Vash and it shows just his feet walking in the pool of blood left by, um, left by EG the mine. And there's just, there's no, he's just walking just like the same as you would down the street. He just has no reaction to it. He's not even like squicking or squirming or anything like not even hesitation, just walk right over it. And I know that's like expected for that character, but I really like that attention to that detail of, Nope, just just walking like any other walking animation, and 
you can see that the blood is sticking to him and it's gross and it's nasty, but he doesn't care. Yeah, there, there's actually, and, and I mean this in the like the least sexual sense possible, a lot of foot imagery when it comes to knives. Just like him you know, walking through the blood or like walking up the stairs and they make a point to like show his feet. And it's just like, you get this kind of just... He's just casually strolling with a with a with a purpose. Yeah, and the idea of there's no hesitation. He's going where he's going, and nothing's gonna stop him. Yeah, no, like like I am here. I am going there. Anything between these two points is not going to be there when I get up there. Right. I did like how there was. It seemed like the idea of like you know the disarming of taking off arms specifically came up more than once, and I'm like. I wonder if there's a symbolic meaning for that, you know, beyond the disarming. Yeah. Thing, because it feels like it was because on purpose. Because he, he, he does it to EG, he does it to Nebraska, and then when he, like, eviscerates that one woman that Rose is trying to save, all that's left is her arm. Right. So, yeah, no, there's a lot of severed arm imagery in this episode. Like, I don't know if it means anything or if it's just, like... Yeah, no, like dismembered limbs. It looks fucking dope. Right. That's the thing is that that's the question is, is this on purpose? Is there meaning? It's it's just enough that it feels like there's a purposeful meaning for it to be the arm specifically, but yeah. not enough to be certain. You know, I need more. Oh, need my more God. <laughs> Kai. Kai. Vash has a missing arm. <gasps> yeah. Oh, my God. I think anybody listening to this just, like, got to hear a mind blow happen in real time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it just clicked with me. I'm like, oh yeah, no, there's probably something to do. Like, there's some sort of, I'm like, oh, my God, Vash is missing his fucking arm. And in most, ver like, in the other versions, like, you know, it is. It's Knives' fault from one way or another. Yeah, yeah. In the, in, the anim in the original anime, it was Knives who shot his arm off. Yeah, and in the manga, it was like he left him there with his arm tied to the post or whatever, and Vash had to cut his own arm off to get out. But it was also connected to Knives not helping him. I thought it was, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, knives knives cut his arm off. Oh, right, right, right. You're right. Yeah, so, You're right. so yeah, that. it looks like we're hearkening back right. to that. Like, this whole severed arm imagery has to be some sort of calling card of knives because he doesn't sever heads he has been like yeah. he like cuts off at the arm and then like just lets them bleed out right because like with uh with nebraska it made sense because like you said it's disarming he had a gun and he like took his arm off that was holding the gun but with eg mine he didn't have to just take his arms off he could have done it any other way mm -hmm. because eg mine wasn't even threatening him yeah. He was praising him. He was worshipping him. Like, and he cut his arms off. Literally, his arms were, like, behind his back. So, like, it takes extra effort to cut those off. Because he had handcuffs on. I really liked this episode. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, this episode kicks a whole lot of ass. Now, this is not a problem with this episode. This is a problem with this episode in the context of the previous episodes. This episode ends with knives stealing the plant... And him escaping. And Rose is just like, that monster is your brother? And he goes, oh, blah, blah. It's just like, leave. Leave now. Never never show your face here again. And it's one of those moments where I'm just like, okay, like this would be really impactful if we didn't just have a, like the, like, the people that he knew and trusted and, like, you know, had faith in him turned against him. Like, we just did this twice in a row yeah i knew there was something about that that rubbed me the wrong way and i was like well it makes sense because even if it's like 
logically, you know, Knives didn't come here for Vash. He came here for the plant. You know, Vash was just happy yeah. to be here. And even with all that, I was like, well, you know, she's a mother who basically just lost her son because I don't think oh, I yeah, don't think no, Tonus I'm not is saying, surviving like, that. Like, I need to make sure because like a lot of people don't seem to understand what I'm talking about whenever I talk about like weird th- like like yes in the context of the story it makes sense but this is fiction it is written this way and it ends up being repetitive because we're repeating emotional beats yeah yeah i think like this 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 is a much better emotional beat and honestly the first one felt forced and awkward and undeserved this one felt fucking deserved and honestly, like, you know, them spending so much time in the town, it makes that it it could have hit a lot harder if they didn't try to retread Hard Puncher. Because having the whole town turn against him and then do if the town was trying to like fight alongside Vash instead and stop the Nebraska's, if we had a storyline similar to that, like we 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 reinforced this emotional solidarity between Vash and the city for two episodes. Right. And then we do, like, the whole attack with EG Mine and Knives and everything else. And and then the town turns against him in this moment of just absolute fucking despair. Like, that would hit so much harder. But because of what preceded it, it diminishes it. It, it makes this episode's ending worse by association. A lot of people... I tell this... I, I have a hard time explaining this to a lot of people when it comes to just artists in general, right? Uh, and I say artists mm-hmm. is in the broad term of writers, musicians, all that, right? Um, yes, mm-hmm. there is like moments of inspiration or of doing things by quote-unquote accident or whatever, but a lot more often than people seem to give credit for or seem to think, things are done on purpose for a reason. Even if the purpose doesn't like always translate the exact same way to the audience because people are different death of the author etc etc that still doesn't mean that the original writer or who artist in question didn't do it for a reason and so Mm -hmm. them staying in this town like i was even thinking that about halfway through the episode wow we're you know i remember trigun like hopped around from town to town all the time we're staying here for quite a long while and it's like that was done for a reason and like you're saying i'm pretty sure it was done for the purpose of building up this town's relationship with vash so that it can be really soul crushing when they just everything goes to hell and they're so and they're lost in so much despair that they just tell him to leave because they need somebody to blame and he's all that's left like that -hmm. would be the reason for having him stay in the town for so long but yeah. like you said, they kind of watered that down by kind of not, they didn't, they weakened that connection that the town and Vash have by already having them turn on him. Yeah. You know, like, and it's like, it, it's not a horrible, terrible, awful sin that destroys the whole series, but I think it's still worth something that's like worth the criticism and worth pointing yeah, out. Yeah, you because know? it's like, like this episode didn't do anything wrong. This is very much a sins of the father type scenario where like, you didn't do anything wrong. Well, I mean, you you had some sloppy writing with the whole EG mind thing, but like that big emotional beat should have worked so well. But like the previous episode sucked so much that it really just kind of took it down a notch. Right. 
I didn't really feel like it was such a big shock that the town turned on Vash, and I feel like it was supposed to. Right. I think, I think that's what it was. It was like Rosa telling Vash to, to go away, I feel like was supposed to be a big shocking moment of, oh my gosh, you guys care about him so much, and now you're just turning on him because you need somebody to blame. Like, and Rosa's been so fucking unlikable throughout these episodes that it's just like... Like, I mean, you know, obviously, like, I don't like that this character's suffering in this way that she is, and, like, what happened to her son, what happened to her home. Like, she, she's understandable, but, like, the performance really strips her of a lot of empathy for me, and, like, sympathy, and I just, uh, like, it just doesn't, I feel like it could have, with some tweaks and, like, just, like, like some minor little tweaks throughout, you could have had this hit like a fucking bombshell. Mm -hmm. Like, it it could have been emotionally devastating. First draft syndrome. You just needed a little... You just needed more time to look back at everything as a whole and edit it a little bit, and it would have been even better. Yeah. That's that yeah. first like, draft and syndrome what was again. it? Like, Meryl has that line when she catches up to Vash. It's just like, you know, how can you even smile? And it's just like... <laughs> I cry. I don't like. I don't deserve to cry. Hi. Yes, I'm gonna be. I was thinking this when I saw Fuck. that. I was like, oh, oh, look at that. That's something for me to do a screenshot redraw of because that is beautiful and emotional and made me want to cry because that smile looks so sad and yet like, ah, uh, it was yeah. so beautiful. That I want to say right now. That is something that's really been missing from this Vash is that that false happiness and the pain behind yes, it. Yes, mess. Because, like, this Smash has felt kind of like, you know, he's, you know... He's the epitome of fake it like, till I, you I, make I feel, it. I feel like he hasn't been masking yeah. that pain. Vash hmm? is... Vash, to me, like, the core... One of the core things of Vash's character to me is being the epitome of fake it till you make it. Are you really sad and upset? Well, just keep smiling and laughing and cracking jokes about donuts and playing, like, ball with the kids and eating ice cream and stuff. You know? Yeah. Like, 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 keep being a goof. And, like, I feel like the 90s anime and the manga really captured, like, this guy is so full of shit. Like, you see him, and when he smiles, you see that force, like, you know, he is putting on airs. And I didn't feel that with this Vash. I didn't, like, like he would say very Vashy things here and there. But, like, as we kind of talked about with Johnny Young Bosch's portrayal of him, you know... This is a this is a different character. It's a different take on the character, and it shows in just how the dub actor from before is portraying him now. Uh, but this that felt like a peak Vash moment. That has like finally this character has landed Same. for me. Where <laughs> yeah, like like this is that was the moment in this show. It took to the end of the third episode where I went. That's Vash's fucking stampede. Oh, absolutely. Where he just smiles at Meryl with just, like, with so much emotional pain behind it and says, I don't yeah. deserve to cry. And on that same note of, like, um... Fuck. I know, like, I was holding my breath because you remember, like, one of the things that I mentioned, uh, I think I believe I said it in the first episode of this podcast, of, like, 
the one thing that will make me like absolutely quit is if they diminish Vash's pacifism and his stubbornness in his pacifism, right? Mm-hmm. And so he was making threats to EG Mine and everybody, and I was like holding my breath the whole time. Right. And it was such a relief that he never actually shot a killing blow, you know, at any point. Yeah. And anytime he looked like he hesitated and almost did, there was that hesitation, and then he didn't. I'll be honest, like when he was pointing the gun at EG Mine, I'm like, I don't know this Vash well enough yeah i he might just put a fucking bullet in his head vash you wouldn't shoot eg mine bitch i might (laughs) like that's what i felt like i was about to get i was holding my breath and especially because like i'm not normally one to be able to notice when japanese voice actors like i guess get you know because i don't know japanese or anything so a lot of things a lot of the subtle acting parts kind of miss for me Mm -hmm. but that was a moment where i was like oh dang there was a whole tone shift in his voice in like that one or two lines where he had his gun to eg mine's head and was yelling at him to stop i was like oh this dude just got real serious and i mm -hmm." was a little gay for a second not gonna lie (laughs) so uh that pretty much sums up all of the uh objective things i wanted to say uh, did did you have any other things that you wanted to bring up? I really think we covered everything I wanted to bring up. Like, cause the big thing I wanted to talk about was how like the um the Rosa turning them away felt off, and I didn't know why. But then you figured out why, so that was the one yeah. thing. I, I'm glad that you kind of felt that, even if you didn't know why. Like, and I got to just come in with my two cents, and you're like, "That's it. That's what the fuck was wrong." That's why we make such um, a great team. Yeah, uh, at least I think so. I mean, a lot of people. I, I've been seeing comments. People like our banter. Uh, okay, so <laughs> now for the Trigon fan moment of the episode, and I have no complaints. Honestly, like if you want to talk about like a fandom, like like as a Trigon fan, man, what a fucking upgrade for EG Mine. Like, that design fucking ruled. His design in the manga is, like, one of the few in the manga where I just do not like it. It looks lame. It's just, And he's presented as a jobber, so it kind of works for that. But, like, here, like, he actually got to feel like a real fucking threat. And, like, you can understand why Knives had this guy on his team. So, yeah, like, EG the mine, fucking, like, like what a goddamn glow up. That that <laughs> dude fucking ruled. Absolute um, feral gremlin energy. Yeah, I, I fucking dig what they did with him. I know, I was gonna say, oh, Roberto didn't annoy me that much this episode, and then I realized he hardly had anything oh, no, to no. say Roberto at all. And any time he episode. did, Meryl shut him up. <laughs> Like, Roberto annoyed me in this episode because he just kept fucking, like, reading off the Wikipedia pages for EG Mine. <laughs> like, Dude, he kept, like, like bro, oh. fine, we get it, we get it. We, you, you know a bunch about this guy. We get it. You're old and you're drunk and you're a cynic. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, yeah, honestly, that's all right. I really had to say. Like, I've pretty much touched on everything. Um, good on us. We kept this podcast under an hour for once. Woo! <laughs> I just, I just really liked this episode. It was really fun. Yeah, no, um, same. I'm looking forward to next week's episode, which, I mean, technically I could go and watch right after this. Um, cause I'm gonna make it a point, like, until, like, unless we actually catch up, I'm not gonna, like, spoil the next episode, like, go in with, like, future knowledge. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Like, I wasn't entirely sure if we wanted to double up this episode. Um, and so I was like, eh, do I go ahead and watch? But then you only linked me episode three, and I was like, okay, so we're yeah. only doing episode three. Like, I, 
like the way I feel about it is like if our schedules permit, maybe we'll do like a midweek episode to catch back up and then go back to like, you know, and then like when we do like the weekend episode, then we can just keep on going as normal. But yeah, and until then, though, like either we're going to stay a week behind this entire thing until like the season ends and there's a new season starting or uh, well, maybe we'll do like a midweek episode to catch us back up. I have no clue. It really just depends on our schedule. Yeah, and I think I think our banter and stuff and the way and how long these podcast episodes, I think, are too long to try to double up with two episodes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fuck no, no. God, no. We'd be talking for three goddamn hours. Like, I've been popping, like, goddamn cough drops and drinking water, like, constantly throughout this entire thing to, like, make sure I don't go into a hacking, coughing fit this episode. Which, by the way, if any people hear any clack, clack, clacking while I'm talking, it is me having a fucking uh, cough drop in my mouth throughout <laughs> I, this video. I'm sorry if you heard any I of it. I haven't heard any of it, if that means anything, but my headphones suck, so. <laughs> okay, so, now that everything's done... Kai, what do you rank it on a scale of one to six bullets? Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it, a, I'm gonna give it five. It was so hard. I was like, I want to give it six, but it's like there were still those little things, you know. And I don't want to be the person of mm-hmm. nothing is ever perfect. I don't want to be that annoying art teacher who does that and nobody gets an A. Right. But it is like I don't know. Actually, now that I just said that out loud, I'm like, I don't know. This was so good. This was such a 180, and I don't think the issues I had with it. Or enough to tink it down. I'm, yeah, I'm going to just straight up say this was the six for me. I'm just... Oh, damn. A perfect score. Okay. <laughs> it was... I, I don't want to say perfect, obviously, but it's the thing of like, you know... Do you do you want to say five and a half bullets? Yes, I do want to say five and a half bullets. <laughs> okay, five and a half bullets. Okay, that works just fine because this will keep the, the, the routine going because I was actually going to give this four and a half bullets. <laughs> Because, like, it is it is definitely by far the best episode. The highest uh, I gave before was three bullets. And I think this one is a good point and a half. Like, I, I have a lot of issues. I still think there's a lot of room to grow. The Knives half of this episode is this mwah, chef's kiss peak. Like, you sold the fuck out of all of this. The, the, the emotional beat at the end with Rosa... Does not land, but like I said, like, eh, that's kind of a sins of the father thing. Like, that was because of the previous episode and what happened prior, but this is an ongoing narrative, so mm-hmm. I have to treat these as chapters in an ongoing story. It's yeah. all one big story. So, yeah, like, you know, you guys had the time to, like, script these out, and you chose the story that you did, and that's what you're stuck with, so... Um, yeah, no, like, I feel sorry, like, if this episode had a different writer, I feel so bad for you, because, like, if this has a different writer from the first two episodes, man, like, you, you, you had a Herculean task of just Come back. lifting this fucking story <laughs> like goddamn Atlas. If that's the case, please come back. Please stay. I yeah, like right? Please please <laughs> tell me you're going to be back for more episodes because, man, like, I want to look up the writers on this for next episode because I think it is kind of interesting from a production standpoint to see, like, who's doing what and where and see if we can start pinpointing, like, the shortcomings and high points of the series going forward. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's always fun to do. That's always mm-hmm. fun for me with the figuring out who storyboarded scenes and Monkey Kid going, oh, I know this storyboard artist. They're amazing. This is going to be a boss episode. Okay, uh, moving forward. New drinking game. Every time Kai mentions Lego Monkey Kid, take a shot. 